Hey guys, welcome back to Uncommon Sense. So today we are on side B, side B of the January 6th interview of Carrie Baxter Donovan. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear the rest of this interview. If you haven't listened to the side A, by the way, I think it's funny that I'm doing that. I guess all of a sudden I am a musician and this is my record. And that was side A. And this is side B of the interview with Carrie Baxter Donovan. But if you haven't listened to the last episode, side A of that interview, then I definitely recommend that you do before you listen to this side B of the interview. But if you don't, then that's your choice. It is America. You're allowed to do what you want. But I do recommend that y'all do that. Go back one episode and listen to the first half of this interview before we get into the second half. So we left off at the part where Carrie was talking about basically the news organizations and websites that were trying to cover the stories of the people who were actually there on January 6th, where they were losing money because of the censorship that was happening on their platforms and on their websites. So they couldn't, uh, you know, they couldn't get the traffic that they needed to keep their businesses going, which is super, super sad. That's very scary that we're at that place in America where the flip of a switch, some person at some, you know, search engine company like Google or some social media platform like Facebook or Twitter can just flip a switch. And then all of a sudden, you know, people like David Harris, Junior can be completely shut off. Their businesses are just, you know, discontinued. So sorry about that. You're censored. Nobody is allowed to hear your stories, David Harris Jr., about the stories of the actual people that were there on January 6th. So there is this concerted effort to really just stomp out the truth and people are not allowed to see it is what the left says. That is not right. That is not just. It's definitely not a quality. But of course, when we point out the left's hypocrisy, they get really defensive and play the victim and that is how they do not take accountability because they don't know how to do that. Um, but anyway, that is where we left off. And now we are going to get into part two or side B of this interview from J6er Carrie Baxter Donovan. <laughs> The censorship really is kind of like just mind boggling from both sides, really. And I think it was Charlie Kirk who called out Fox News, who I have been calling, you know, controlled opposition ever since the 2020 election, because they really are. I mean, if you guys would look into who is at the top um, at Fox News, and if you knew about Rupert Murdoch, y'all need to look into that family, then you would understand that they, they play the part of a conservative news source for your views and for your clicks. But if you actually look into the Murdoch family, then you'll see that they donate to a lot of liberal uh, politicians and they support a lot of liberal causes and they are just straight up, you know, leftists. And so I think that the right has a duty, you know, to be aware and cognizant of the news sources that we are supporting with our views and our clicks. Fox News is just, you know, I'm not a fan. I can just go on and on about 
how I'm not a fan, but it is both sides is my point that both sides have been shutting down, you know, the personal accounts of these J6ers like you, Carrie. And it's like, you know, why, you know, why not let the J6ers come tell their stories? Like I was saying before, but I think it really is just, okay, they know what really happened. So we can't give them a microphone. Like, I think that that's really what it is. But I kind of want to swerve over right now and talk about the people who, you know, were there on January 6th who wound up being arrested and sent to the D.C. gulag, um, you know, where they have been super just like treated horribly like animals. Like I have heard some horrendous stories coming out from, you know, the D.C. jail of what of how these J6ers that were arrested on that day have been being treated and just totally like tortured. Um, and, you know, this is like it feels like it's our first like actual in this country, at least like political um, prisoners. And, I, and I'm really worried about it. But have you talked to people who have talked to people or the people that are actually um, that were in the jail? Yes. And so I had already known Coy Griffin. He's the uh, founder of Cowboys for Trump. And he's, I think, one of the most um, high profile people who had spent time in, in prison, at least that I know. I know that there's some like um, uh, Biggs or somebody named Biggs is in there, is in prison still. But Coy was arrested the day after. And I covered his story a number of times um, over, you know, since January 6th all the way up until recently. I, I write about him quite frequently because I had already known him before January 6th. I knew, I understood his part of the, um, his, his, you know, his sort of trial and tribulation. And I actually am going to start doing a little uh, Twitter feed or whatever that's called Twitter live with Coy just to go through his lawsuit, which is a result of January 6th. He was removed from office as a commissioner. And that case is so important. It's unbelievable the things that they did to him. But what happened to him and his story was he had gone to pray and he was in an area that he was later told was a restricted area, but he didn't know at the time it was restricted, which happened to a number of people. So he didn't go into the Capitol building, but they got him on being in a restricted area on the other side of the Capitol from where I was. So I didn't see him that day, but I knew his story. He was a, he, he left D.C. and then came back, I think, for something. He was arrested. He was put in solitary confinement. I think he was in prison for in the D.C. prison. Right. And we call that the the gulag. And I can and we can talk about that, too, about how Mario what Mario Bowser is doing. But he was there, I think, in solitary confinement for two weeks. He wouldn't take the covid shot. Now, he was released. And then he had his trial, which is unlike the other guys who have been held in there for over a year, which is they're being denied completely their civil liberties, that they're being held in prison for sometimes up to almost a year and a half. Some of them maybe even close to two years as we're coming on the second year anniversary, a marking of it. Um, so Coy's story I know pretty well. And then... Um, he, so he's the one that was in prison. I don't personally know anyone else who was in prison, but I've heard some of the other stories through interviews and things. And then David Sumrall is another source for me, again, at StopHate.com. And I know he knows a lot of them. And so I know some things from conversations with David, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, from the stories that I've read, it's just it's actual torture, like in the D.C. jails. And, you know, like you were saying, like point one, they shouldn't even be 
there. Like they're being denied their due process. They have a right in this country to a quick and fair trial and they're being denied that right. Um, so that's the first problem. But the second problem is that they're being treated inhumanely in this DC jail. Like they're not being treated like regular prisoners in a regular jail. Like they are being treated, um, you know, it's like they're political prisoners and they're being tortured. Um, and I've just read some really crazy stuff about, you know, somebody getting their eye hurt by a jail worker at the DC gulag. It is, it is a gulag, um, you know, and, and other things that have just been happening to these people where they're just being treated terribly and um, they're not living in a condition that normal prisoners are living in. So I guess I just wanted to get your opinion on all of that. And if you've spoken to anybody who, you know, is in the jail and has gone through anything like that, like what, what do you know in terms of um, all of that? Yes. And so the, my source for that story, and I put it up on Gateway Pundit, um, Suzanne Monk, who's an activist in D.C., she is, was friends with somebody who was on the inside. He was one of the proud boys, I think, and who was on the inside in the gulag, and he, they had communication. And she went to uh, the house, and I think it might have been Louis Gilmert, because she's uh, an associate of Louis Gilmert's, and they started a, uh, and the article again is up at Gateway Pundit, about her process in trying to get the House, the U.S. House representatives in charge of the D.C. prisons to say to Muriel Bowser, you're you're holding these people in inhumane conditions. And I'll tell you, that article was written a year and a half ago, I think. That's how long it's been. They went through the House. They sent her a letter. She didn't respond to it. She was obviously being very evasive. Well, they started to put some pressure on her, and it was like Louis Gomer and um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and some others started to take up the man and that's when this story really started to become national. But there were months ahead of time that people knew that they were living in inhumane conditions. Coy, had, who had come out, was one of the first people to say, listen, they're being denied all this being mistreated in there. So that's unconstitutional, that they're being held in there. And then in these, uh, inhu- it's literally inhumane conditions like rats, water on the floor, like a, a torture chamber. And they're being beaten by the judge, by the um, prison guards, that they're really being taunted. And one guy has like, I think even an eye injury, a permanent eye in- injury. There's, so there's a number of these kinds of stories. But the fact that they're being held without trial, and of course they're using COVID as an, exa- as an excuse. Another problem that these poor guys have that I know for a fact is their lawyers, of course their lawyers are afraid, some of them. Some of them are playing the game. And our laws are so weird about all, all kinds of things. So these guys who are being held now, and I think there's there's maybe, what, 25 of them? Do you know? I, I, I lose track of how many there are. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's between 20 and 30, maybe 20 and 40, but there were a lot more before. Right, between 20 and 30. Now, they say that 1,000 people have been arrested and that they're going to be arresting 3,000 more. Um, but 1,000 people have been arrested, but we're talking about this particular subset, this little group. This group is, I mean, it's not little, it's shocking. It's mind-blowing that they're being but this group of like 20 who are the J6 prisoners who are in the gulag, we're calling it. Um, but the fact that it's happening should be shocking to everyone because they're being denied a, a quick and speedy trial. So is Koi, because Koi, that, that was a drug out over a year and a half. You're supposed to be given a quick trial. 
So that that's really what's unconstitutional is that's the game that they're playing with all of these thousands of people, but especially these 20. And these 20 in particular are probably guys who are really strong Trump supporters. They're probably really pressuring these guys to, to flip on Trump and to say he made me do it. It's probably guys who they could call a leader of something. Um, and those are the 20 that are that we're concentrating on calling the J6 prisoners. Yeah, and I've been speculating about that, too. Uh, you know, like the psychological manipulation. This is what communist Marxists, the leftists of the world are like, you know, this is what they do. They they trap you and then they torture you and they try to psychologically manipulate you into doing what they want you to do. So I have been speculating about, you know, are like if they will spit on them, if they will kick them, if they will like, you know, destroy their eyeballs um, and stick them in places where there's all these rats and, and mold and water on the floor, like then it makes sense to me, you know, that they would be psychologically trying to torture them as well and trying to get them to say negative things about Trump that are untrue. Um, everybody acted like Trump was so violent this day and he was tweeting violent things and he was telling everybody to go, you know, be violent, but he wasn't doing that. He was doing the opposite of that. He was tweeting it for everybody to go home in peace and love. That is like what he said verbatim in one of his tweets, uh, one of his last tweets before he got banned. And he wasn't calling for that. But so I am I am interested to know, you know, the psychological manipulation because I know Marxists always resort to that. Um, and if, you know, they're trying to get them to turn on Trump and to say something, because like you were saying, you know, it's it's these leader people. So that if, you know, it would be a great political tool. They are political prisoners. Like, are they, are they trying to get them to turn on Trump and torturing them to do so. More people need to educate themselves on everything mainly, but on Marxism and its um, tactics, like how the, how communists function, how they've always functioned to get you know total control and power and the things, the nasty things that they will do in order to do that, this is is one of those things. And, and I do think that people need to be talking about January 6th more. The true story, talking to people like you, Carrie, and getting, you know, the firsthand experiences of people who, you know, are in that jail and, um, you know, trying to piece together and find the truth. It just really doesn't feel like people are trying to find the truth anymore. And we cannot let that go. Objective truth is greater than everything. And we need to focus on that. And people really need to talk about this more and care about this more. They're political prisoners. Like we used to hear about in America, those political prisoners in China. Again, it is very much exactly the same as what has happened in China. We have political prisoners and they're being tortured in prison and held against their civil liberties, against their constitutional rights to, um, and they're being, we know for a fact that they're being forced to flip on Trump. Now, President Trump came out and said that if he gets back into office, he's going to pardon all of the J6ers, right? But how many, you know, that's a long, still a long time. And these families are without their loved one. And some of them are without their brain winner and it's really putting a lot of pressure on the families on top of the fact that it's like it, it's completely unjust so who knows how, how uh, what can be done for them um, I think that there's some people that are hoping that once the Republicans can take the house maybe they can do something because the unconstitutional US House committee, Right. And you saw what they did. Um, Bannon was arrested. He's facing jail time. And I wrote an article for Republic Brief last week that that Bannon may have his uh, charges dropped. 
it's sort of the feeling is because it because that committee has been defanged now that republicans are in power we'll see but that's what that whole speaker of the house fight is about yeah so what's going to happen so we go back to what is going to happen to these political prisoners that we have we have 20 of them china at sometimes only has one or two we have 20 at least 20 of them and they have been tortured in a way and many americans are showing that they simply do not care they're not interested they don't want to hear about it or they're not seeking information about what happened to those guys. That could be a test run for, gee, how do you like our legal system, our judicial system? This way all the time. Why not? Yeah, and I've wondered that too. I mean, are they just trying to get everybody used to this new quote-unquote legal system? Like, are they just trying to normalize it? Like, they're trying to normalize so many evil things. They're trying to normalize pedophilia. They're trying to normalize, you know, transitioning to another gender as if that's possible. Um, So, you know, there's just so many lies that the left throws around, and I wonder if they are you know i've thought of that too like are they just trying to normalize this new quote-unquote legal system where political prisoners taking political prisoners is normal and it's fine and you know we've done it before and y'all didn't have a problem with it before so don't don't be shocked that we're doing it again um and that is why it's so important for people to you know stand boldly and say hey actually this is wrong hey actually even if these are like politically like the opposite of me people like i care about them because they're my countrymen. I care about them because they're fellow Americans. Like, get them out of the gulag. Like, if these were people who were leftists who had gone to, um, you know, do a rally in Washington, D.C., I would still be like, get them out of jail. They have a right to protest. Like, um, so it, it is wild that people aren't defending these people more. And I know we were talking about earlier that people are just, you know, trying to protect themselves and, and their livelihoods, whatever. These are your countrymen and we all need to, um, stand up for them. Yeah. Because if somebody doesn't stand and watch guard over that and, and take the, and take the consequences of being the watchman on the wall, Right. And, and be the one in the unpopular position of saying this isn't right. We have to do something to change it. We need everyone's, you know, all hands on deck. We because if we had all hands on deck, we could change it pretty much like overnight. The people just don't want to give up their comforts to do it. And so, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate to watch it from our point of view, knowing it's wrong wishing it could change, wishing we could get other people to get, you know, be vigilant over their own liberty. It's, it's a very, that I think is the saddest part of the entire J6 is that those, those people are, well, first of all, that Ashley Babbitt was shot and murdered. By a Capitol Police officer, by the way. I'm glad you brought that up. It was a it was a Capitol Police officer who committed the lethal violence that day. And I think everybody needs to remember that. Yeah, and then David Summerall, again, at Stop Hate, he has chronicled all of the money of the five deaths, all of them Trump supporters. So how is the narrative that we're the violent ones when literally we were the ones being beaten, chased down, you know, maligned and literally killed. There's a number of people. And he's told me now because he of his position, he's uh, he works as an investigator. He's an, the only J6 official investigator. Did you know that? Only one. So this 1,400 hours of, t- of videotape, he can tell us he's he sees it because he's the one who's going, going to um, – uh, I think it's to testify against in a couple of cases. So he's seen the footage 
he can tell you what's there. He can't show it to you, but he can tell you, right? Legally, he's not allowed to show us anything, but he can tell us. And he said, when everybody finds out what happened to this woman who died, they're going to be, of course, the people paying attention, right? They're going to be shocked because she was killed. She was basically, you know, she was basically pulled apart and killed. Yeah. By the police started it. Now, I was on the other side of the Capitol, and we were hearing some sort of ruffling, you know, some sort of, like, rumors and things about that. And I, we didn't see anything like that on, on the other side, but there was loud, there was one time when there was a loud explosion and then smoke billowing. And it was like a movie set again. It wasn't, no, it wasn't gas. Everyone just sat there and looked at each other and went, what was that? It wasn't, you know, um, like pepper spray or something. People would be running. It was so weird. It was definitely a movie set like that. Um, But the thing about Ashley Babbitt, I was at that point, then I started walking around to the other side of the building and I said, hey, um, I heard a woman was shot and the police said, no, nothing like that happened. I'm like, why am I hearing that a woman has been shot? So they lied to you? They just straight up lied to you? Because they would have known. They would have had their walkie-talkies, and they would have known. Straight up lied to me. And I said, I am very concerned. I'm a reporter. I want to tell people what is what is going on here. And he said, no, nothing like that happened. Let the gaslighting begin. I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. Like the guy who was standing next to her with the blood on his hand comes coming right by me, and I'm standing there like, well, wait, what's going on? And he's the one who told me somebody got shot. I, don't, I can't remember if he said a woman or what, but it was like my head then started just kind of spinning. Like, what in the world? Yeah. That's just a lot. That's like a lot to take in and process. But the fact that they would just like lie to you guys, you know, about that is just, I mean, it's not astonishing. You know, once you've been in this city long enough, you understand that this is just, you know, it's a city of soulless people and the Capitol police are no different and they can do whatever they want. That's the truth. Um, But I just can't believe that they lied to you. But it seems like the day was just, you know, it got a little bit out of hands. You know, I feel like they had this plan. It didn't go exactly. Exactly according to plan, um, you know, and that is another reason why I think that the news stations are just, you know, not having it all on. I am of the mindset that the news, the heads of these news stations are very much in touch with the government because they are. And I know that. Um, and they're just like, hey, hey, the government's like, hey, news organization, don't have these people come on. Don't have the people that were there come on because, you know, they know they know that something shady was going on and we can't we can't have them reaching the masses like that. So you just don't have them on and everybody's going to be fine and dandy and it seems like that's what was really happening and so they're squashing the voices of people like you who saw all this happen and I am again just really really grateful and blessed that you're on this show today Um, but they are squashing the voices of people like you in order to keep the truth from people and when your government starts doing that there is a huge problem and it is very China-esque like you were talking about earlier but it's very very scary and I also think you had a really great point and excellent point of, you know, a little bit earlier talking about why would Trump supporters be hurting other Trump supporters? The people that died or got hurt that day were Trump supporters. Trump supporters aren't going to go to a Trump rally situation and hurt other Trump supporters. That's not going to happen. That's not what happened. The um, Capitol Police murdered this woman in cold blood, Ashley Babbitt, and then the violence that happened was the police, you know, 
mazing people, um, you know, I guess tasing people and, um, you know, these rubber bullets that people were getting shot with. So all of the violence that was happening was coming from D.C. And it's just interesting to me that D.C. is saying that you guys were the violent ones and they have you in the gulag in the D.C. jail right now. Um, And I'm just eh, the whole I mean, gaslighting, lying, uh, you know, ignoring the truth for power and control. These are not new tactics that uh, for the left, they're just not. This is what they always do. And I just want to bring up here the TikTok videos and the social media videos that I saw come out that day. I was seeing the funniest videos of Trump supporters being very polite, very nice, just like, you know, gently knocking on the Capitol building door and like motioning to police to come, please open the door and like smiling, you know, very polite, just saying, hey, can we come in? Um, And it was kind of funny to me. Uh, So all of the videos that I saw of Trump supporters who I could tell, you know, were actual Trump supporters. They weren't being violent. They weren't being even remotely crazy. They were just like, hey, can you let us in? We just want to just want to come watch history and, and just make sure everything's going right. Like it's the people's building. First of all, D.C., the people, the elite here act like they own these government buildings, but they don't. The American people own these buildings and they have every right to come in. So, I, I mean, I, I just want to go back to the pocket of orchestrated chaos that you were talking about earlier, because that seems to be the overall plot of the day. It was just, let's have these little pockets of orchestrated chaos where the news stations can easily grab good shots, good meaning, you know, make them look like terrorists. Um, and, uh, and that was the day. It was just this plan to make Trump supporters look insane and look violent when D.C., the Capitol Police officers, um, they were the ones that were doing the violence. And I just really think that people need to understand that. I, I mean, I remember feeling like, is this a trap that day? I didn't know if it was a trap. I felt like it's a possibility just because I know how the city runs. I, I, I thought there was like a great possibility that it could just be, you know, a trap. It would be so easy for them to do. They're used to doing it at this point. Um, this was kind of the most bold little setup that I've ever seen. But um, I just remember feeling like it was just a weird feeling because I was on the roof again. I was just like, are they, I mean, these are not all Trump supporters. I know that. I mean, are they trying to trap them into looking bad? I mean, is it a trap? I was like, could be. It could be. Yeah. And I had come into town specifically to cover the event. Of course, I didn't expect anything like what happened to happen. I thought that I had, because I had been to the other rallies and I thought, well, there's just going to be, this one just going to be bigger like that, but bigger. And people will want to know. And so I'll take some photos and I'll talk to some people and they'll say, we're really bummed out and I'll go back and fill in some articles and that will be it. Um, I had, I didn't expect anything like what I saw and it's nothing like what I've heard. And there was nothing anywhere on the grounds to tell me that this chaos was going on. I was also on the wrong side of the building though, because apparently on the other side of the building that I've seen the movies, um, well, I should say the footage um, from David Summerall's, who's collected it and put it up on his site, of things that are absolutely shocking to me. And I had no idea that was going on. Yeah, I think just ultimately, you know, it is, it just, it boils down to this movie set prop situation, which is what it was. I don't know why it's so hard for people to believe that, you know, it's easy for DC to do this. They have the money, they have the power, they have the people. Why Why is it so hard to believe that Washington, DC, which is just a more powerful Hollywood 
would at this point, um, could do something like this. Why is this so shocking to people? They're like, oh, they would never do that. I'm like, oh, they wouldn't. Would they also not steal an election and give it to a guy who can't stay awake during his speeches? Would they also not do that? There's a lot of things the government has done that is just horrendous. I mean, they gave a bunch of black Americans syphilis for an experiment. But y'all don't want to talk about that. Y'all don't want to talk about that because you have to trust the government because they're your savior because you gave up on God. And I'm not going to go on that whole rant. But um, I just want to I just want to go back to the compare and contrast of like me on the roof going back and forth because I, I I was just so confused. I was really confused. I was I was looking to my right at how peaceful you guys were being. I was looking to my left on the TV and how they were portraying you guys as terrorists. I was like, these are not the same place. Like these are this is not the same thing. There's these don't it just doesn't add up. Fascinating. That is a very important point. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it just speaks to what you were talking about, you know, with the whole movie set thing, because that, you know, makes so much sense when I'm looking back thinking about like what I was seeing and how different those were. It, it really was like a movie set. And the plot of the film is to make Trump supporters look like domestic terrorists. I mean, that's literally what they started calling us. Um, you know, and I'm not really I wouldn't say I'm a Trump supporter anymore because of the vaccine. But I mean, I, I know that the country was doing 100% better under Trump than under Biden, even with, you know, all the things that I could list that I have a problem with with Trump now. Um, but, you know, they the, Trump supporters in general, they were trying to make look like terrorists. And then they started calling everybody that. And so that was the plot of this little film that they ran in D.C. And, um, you know, the, the Capitol building was like, it was like uh, they were just a spider in a spider web waiting for you guys to trap you. And I really want to know why Nancy Pelosi had a whole documentary team with her that day. You know, it's just kind of interesting, kind of convenient um, that you would have a whole documentary team. She put out that uh, little documentary of her from that day. I mean, people aren't just carrying around with them, congressmen and people in government, like these <laughs> movie level like million dollar cameras to have like like a documentary made all the time that just doesn't happen and the fact that she did speaks more to that movie plot narrative that they were trying to you know put out there into everybody's eyeballs um and now, of course, like them making this whole narrative that Trump supporters are are terrorists. Now, everybody is much too afraid to do anything like all the people who were not afraid before are definitely afraid now. And that was another goal of theirs. Exactly. And I'll tell you, my one if I if somebody said you can only talk about one thing here, you can only talk about one thing to say why you think that that day was fishy, I would say, why were the keys in the ignition of those two heavy machines? Why were the keys in the ignition of those two heavy machines? Yeah. And what were those machines again? One of them was, I I call it a cherry picker, but it's like a, a, it's a, it's a a lift of some sort. It like goes up. Oh, the keys were in the machine. The keys were in the machine and people were riding it up and down. Okay. The other one was like, that's what, that's like, how would they have gotten up to the top of the Capitol building? Well, there's a machine right here. Convenient for the Democrats. So the machines were on? Yeah, the keys were in it. That is just so wild. That's and, and I was watching people riding in these machines like it was Disneyland. There's a little video clip. Another person found saw it because I'm like, am I crazy? 
you're telling me that this was this like high and this whole story about Nancy Pelosi setting it up. I, that's what I felt like somebody did this. Somebody definitely did do that. And I mean, I mean, back to her whole documentary crew. I mean, did you see that? Did you see all of the information? And I think it was Charlie Kirk had put it out, but um, about her having like that whole documentary team. Like, why have that whole documentary team unless there was going to be something that day to document that maybe Nancy Pelosi you set up or at least were involved in the process of whoever decided to set that up. Yes, I heard about it too. Someone told me, hey, we just saw a guy walk by who has a million dollar lens. And it was a photographer. And I said, why? And, and why would somebody be here with a million dollar lens? That's like, that's like, you know, big time. Well, they were doing their movie, Carrie, you know, it was going to be a blockbuster. Right. And we were on the movie set of the historic documentary that they were making because it had to have been a setup. Who, what secure location has a pitchfork and keys in the ignition of two heavy machines, two heavy trucks? Uh, the what you know one of them is a lift and another one had like a crane on it yeah the whole day was just so weird but i mean my first question before all of this happened was like why no barricades why it would be so easy why no barricades you know like why mayor bowser why um again like if they genuinely were afraid of something like this then they would have been more prepared and they weren't they were inviting people into the capitol building in order to trap them you know they start we call i call them barricades because remember when uh, the government shut down and then barack obama started putting barricades yeah it's not new like just you know put the barricades up like i was almost like wow this whole this whole place has been opened up for us to move around. I've never seen it opened up like this before or in many years that I've been here. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a freaking Venus flytrap or something. They're like, come on in. Come on in. Yes, that's what it was. It was the Venus flytrap. I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to use that. It was the Venus flytrap of political theater. Yeah. It, we have numerous points of data, and one of them being, like you said, that documentary, um, but also the fact that Nancy Pelosi cannot with a straight face say, I secured the grounds. I made sure the grounds were secured. No, she didn't. No, I have a picture of a guy walking around with a pitchfork, and nobody's, nobody's concerned about a guy with a pitchfork. Well... <laughs> It's just so random. I've never seen a guy with a pitchfork at a Trump rally. It was like, it's like DC was like, well, farmers go to Trump rallies. So we better have a pitchfork at our staged like movie about Trump supporters where we're villainizing them for no reason. But yeah, I mean, that was his role. It's not real iron metal whatever yeah well they 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 casted him as pitchfork man at that point i think i knew uh, we're supposed to be under some sort of security here or something right like i'm talking to you dude and you have a pitchfork in your <laughs> it's just so wild like honestly it's giving shrek to me honestly like the pitchfork you know the people the the bullhorn man like these are the people that you can just tell are just not genuine trump supporters like you should should be able to tell that these are non-Trump supporters. Like, I I think it's hilarious, like, the light that they've, they've 
put us under and how they view, you know, Trump supporters. Again, I just don't know. I mean, if Trump was running against Joe Biden right now, yeah, I'd choose Trump over Biden because he ran a better country than Joe Biden is running. But I have so many issues with Trump. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this and how, you know, they really were trying to make Trump look like Shrek and like, we're going to get you and look at all of us and our pitchforks. But the people that were playing those parts, um, you know, it came out later that I think it was the bullhorn man was like an aspiring actor. Uh, I don't know if that career is going to go very well for him after, you know, January 6th. He did not do an excellent job as far as I'm concerned with his role, but maybe some people bought it. So maybe he'll get, you know, land something and something. I didn't know that, but that's exactly how he sounded. He, He was... He was saying the government has done all of these things. And it's like, nobody, no Trump supporter cares about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you saw this video. I'm sure you have, but bullhorn man going into the chamber. And then there was a real Trump supporter who was on the ground. You could tell he was a real Trump supporter. He had gotten shot by a rubber bullet somewhere in this whole scenario. Um, and he was like sitting on the ground and he was on the phone. And then the bullhorn man comes in and he was like, Hey man, taking one for the team good job but it was just like so weird because you could tell again that bullhorn man was like not a trump supporter the police officer was like hey um can y'all like leave can y'all get out this is like the most sacredest of places like (laughs) it was such a funny video because it was just so outlandish and so wild and like not I just don't feel like anybody should have ever taken the day seriously at all. Um, I just don't get how people don't think it was like the most bizarre day. Yeah. And I do know you can talk to Coy Griffin. If you, if you talk to him, ask him about Jake, right. And Coy has a very soft place in his heart for Jake and says he's really being abused and, and he's in the gulag. He's one of the 20, however many it is. Um, and he's been in there ever since. And they're really, using him and I think that he was probably used before because again I watched him sort of as the star of the on the movie set move around and then somebody would say okay like do you want to go here do you want to go there okay now do it again like come in and out of a door while like CNN is rolling what yeah it was very bizarre that's when I really started to think I'm I need to leave here that's what I need to do so they would have him go in and out like they're repeating scenes yeah, almost like take two. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now, because if for, I thought maybe he was a plant, maybe he's controlled opposition, maybe he, I don't know what to think, but Coy, talked to Coy Griffin. He had a, quite a lengthy experience getting to know him. They were both in solitary confinement at the same time, but Coy actually had conversations with him. Like each day they'd get to be outside for a certain period of time together. So Coy Griffin would be the, the one to talk to about him. And from Coy's story, I was like, he, I think he was set up things. Maybe he was told that he was doing things. Maybe he believed, you know, something different was going on. I don't know. Interesting. Well, I'm going to do that because the whole thing is just weird, especially like going in and out of doors multiple times to retake scenes. Like, 
weird just weird it's just overall and the bottom line weird and i cannot overemphasize that but there were a few other ones um who kind of flanked the bullhorn man who looked kind of like him in the sense that they were clearly not you know to me at least they didn't seem like trump supporters so i don't know what was up with them but to me they seemed like you know all of dwight schrute's friends who came in in the office to you know <laughs> interview for that job I don't know if y'all have seen that episode. I don't know if y'all watched The Office, but you should. It's great comedic relief in a time like this. Um, but anyway, they were just, I don't know, they were just strange looking to me, you know, and I, so I don't want to get it wrong. Maybe it was one of them who, you know, had the aspiring acting career. I don't want to automatically assume that Bullhorn Man, you know, it was him. But yeah, I'm going to talk to that person because I just, it, it, there's just so much weirdness to unravel. I mean, did you see that? There was a clip that I saw of CNN reporters who had gone into the Capitol building and someone was recording them and this footage got out. But uh, one of the CNN reporters said to another CNN reporter, we did it. We got them to come in. Uh, have you seen that? Well, I, I think I heard about it. I didn't actually see it and I wasn't anywhere near the inside of the building. And I, I really know so much more about what was going on on the outside of the building, but I know that I did hear that there were, um, people bragging about getting tricking people to come in to the building because they knew they obviously knew and they were obviously prepared for get ready because people are coming in now when i was there i never thought about anybody going in um which in my mind i i think that people should have stopped and gone they we really shouldn't be going into the building right now they had to have been convinced to go in because they're having a procedure that we're not going to be happy about and it's not a place to go and have any kind of issue there you know like don't 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 cause yourself any problems. Yeah. And I remember just seeing everybody standing on the steps of the Capitol building and I was just like, stay there, you know, like they, they can't do anything. You know, I felt like it would have left a bigger impression to just kind of stand there. Um, not that it's even illegal for American citizens to go into the Capitol building. Like that's the people's building. I've said that numerous times, but it's, <laughs> it's almost like people have forgotten that, you know, the government buildings belong to us. They belong to us. And so people need to remember that our tax dollars pay for those. The elite do not have, um, you know, they don't have control over those in the sense that they get to just decide who does and doesn't come in them all the time. Um, they do their work there that we hired them to do. Those are our buildings. Um, but all that aside, I mean, there was a concerted effort to rile people up, get them into the Capitol building and try to egg people on to be violent. And that is what I'm getting. And that is what I stand by and what it sounds like um, from you, Carrie, that it was the case. Um, and I just think everybody really does need to remember that the violence that happened that day was a Capitol Police officer shooting Ashley Babbitt um, and not Trump supporters. Trump supporters are the ones that were getting injured. Um, not any, the not the fake Trump supporters, but the real Trump supporters were the ones getting hurt. So it's kind of, you know, again, logic is a problem for a lot of people, apparently, um, which is why I have to run a podcast. But logically like it doesn't make sense that trump supporters would come there and hurt trump supporters it just doesn't logically make sense right and that this the circumstances surrounding the way that she was murdered and the guy who pulled the trigger and the setup and the different angles of footage that you can see on what happened before that i believe that she was set up I believe that just like I was grabbed by the arm and said hey come on let's go on in into the building let's walk together I think someone did that to her. And I remember on that day thinking, 
that's how they got her in there. After that guy did that to me, I, my mind immediately went to, that's what happened to that woman. And I didn't even know anything about that woman at that point. Yeah, I just knew people were saying some woman got shot. Now, I don't know why my mind went there, but it did. But now I go back and I think about it and I look at it and I, I think that she was intentionally brought into that building, intentionally taken to that spot, and intentionally set up to get shot and murdered. Yes, I do believe it was pre-planned. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think that you're technically, I don't think that you're wrong on that because I, I was like, how could this, how could she have gotten shot? I mean, I remember seeing videos of people walking around the Capitol building, you know, very, very peacefully and gracefully and between, you know, the velvet barricades in the Capitol building and, uh, you know, seeing like these grandmotherly looking people kind of just walking around women that looked like they, you know, had probably baked cookies in their pockets. And, um, you know, they were trying to make these people look like these vicious murderers, but it wasn't a Trump supporter that murdered her. And so it's kind of just like, you know, why? I mean, I agree with you. Like, was this whole thing pre-planned and were they always going to shoot somebody? Like, why was Ashley Babbitt shot? You know, like, why Why was somebody shot? Shot, right, shot dead. Yeah. Point blank in her face like that. And I think it was, to, I think that it was to send a message. And I think that it's a little bit of blood libel. Yeah. Yes, I think that uh, Darren Beatty's talks about blood blood libel uh, revolver i think he had it right on the head that's what it was is you, you guys are going to get trumped and we're going to sit here and we're going to watch it and we're going to enjoy it i do absolutely believe that nancy pelosi is a part of setting up a movie i think that they sat down and they orchestrated the whole entire thing to be what they wanted it to be and I think in there they said if somebody gets shot and killed, good, it will help our movie. Yeah. I don't want to say that about a fellow American, right? Because yeah. we're supposed to have brotherhood and unity, but that isn't what's been happening. And there's no way that 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 she could have, if she's evil enough to say I had secured this area after what I saw, she's evil enough to lie about intentionally murdering somebody. Yeah, that's what I think that that's what's at stake for them. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I, I really wouldn't. I mean, I'm <laughs> the Democrats are above doing something like that. Uh, you know, most of the people in Washington, D.C., left or right are sociopaths like they don't care. Um, it just goes back to the Marxist saying, you know, if the ends justify the means and the ends justify any means for them. So they'll do whatever they have to do. Yeah, power and control. And they're not like us. We have to remember we're different. Where we're thinking about, like, you know, we need to move the country ahead. We need to watch out for our children. We need to defend liberty for next generations. We need everyone to be prosperous. None of these things matter to the kinds of people who seek power. That's why our founding fathers wrote checks and balances, right? And we're so, we want our government to be so absolutely busy. We want a small government to be absolutely so busy that they never have time to come and mess their lives up. <laughs> a small government that's very, very busy doing all kinds of stupid little slow nothing and stay out of our lives. Um, but that's not what they've built for themselves. And so they have, I mean, I'm looking at right now a, a, pay, a list of 
uh, federal agencies, and I call it the administrative state, right? I think I probably got that from Steve Bannon because I really like the way he put the administrative state. So I'm looking at um, uh, from um, Wikipedia a list of federal agencies in the United States. It's basically welfare, okay? It's welfare for all of their friends and their families. Some of them get lots and lots and lots of big money. Some of them just get like a regular job. But it's page after page of federal agencies. Those are then you've got the the welfare of all of the nonprofit organizations and the NGOs. And so it's probably, I don't know how many, you know, people does it employ, but to them, it's their identity. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of power. They do not live lives like we do, the simple Americans. They're protecting their kingdom. And we're like, but what about us? What about what we're supposed to have? It's we, the people, the government. For the, it doesn't matter. It's, to, at this point, the government's so big and so out of control, it's worth too much money. It can't. It's not supposed to be worth this much money. So our checks and balances are not working. And that's what the people who were at all of these, because by the way, I went to all of the ones in December as well, all of the gatherings in December. And I spoke to, you know, 100 people each time. And why are you here? And what are you worried about? And these were regular average Americans who were like, we do not feel like we are a part of the process anymore. Yeah. That's really what those people showed up for that day to feel a part of the process because they've been shut out of people's government. And now you're an extremist if you say the people's government, right? Sort of extremist thing. And sometimes they go even further and say you're a terrorist. Right, you're a domestic terrorist. You know, just like that, right? So this real tragedy of what has happened, and if we don't pull in this in this uh, story, their narrative of what happened on January 6th, and we let them get away with it, that's why it's like this fight, choosing this fight, to, this battle to fight is important. Just like David Sumrall and Coy Griffin and you and the other people on that thread that day and who are out there telling the story, it's worth it to fight this one because if we let them have their narrative, anytime we go to do any, try to do any activism at all, they can just call us a domestic terrorist and put us in prison and we're political prisoners. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's not being a crybaby. That's a reality. Yeah. It, I mean, it's very scary where we are. And I just think that everybody needs to take it very seriously. The fact that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, Trump's, you know, home, um, all these things that are happening, like the silencing of the truth, the demonization of political opponents, like this is all, uh, you know, China-esque and it is communism and it is not something that we are going to be able to stand on. It's just not the country that I was born in and I'm not even that old. Like, I can't believe, you know, how quickly it's falling. So I agree with you. We have to turn the ship around. We have to challenge their narrative with the truth. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I talk about the leftists a lot on my podcast and I'm like, y'all are dumb or y'all are evil. And it's like, yeah, a lot of them are dumb and a lot of them are evil. But I also welcome everybody over to my side of things. I'm not even on a side. I'm in the middle, technically. Um, but, you know, I, I wish that more people would register independent. I wish that more people would think freely and independently and understand that, um, you know, the truth is of the utmost importance. And if we lose freedom in this country, you just won't have truth. You won't have even your own truth anymore, like they've been trying to give everybody. But we have to challenge the narrative and we have to understand that it is a very serious thing when they can put on political theater like this that the masses actually buy. Um, it just, it will 
um, empower them to keep doing it. And that is a, it's a slippery slope that we really don't want to get on. And so I agree with you on all of that. We're just losing our rights. Um, we're, we're losing our rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely losing our rights on a number of levels and a number of places. And um, this one is really big. If you don't have the right to speak out and say, this is what I saw happen, then everything else kind of starts to fall apart. And they're coming after us like that. And so to me, I always default to, well, what can we do? Of course, we have to have something to do. So if you, if people hear this story and they start to feel overwhelmed because it feels hopeless, it's never hopeless because we still live in America and we still have our system. Mm-hmm. And so I think that one of the most important things to do is to try to run for office if you can. There is voting. Voting is very important, which people blew off again. People always seem to blow that off. The thing is, yes, they cheat and yes, they, they, yes, they steal elections. But what happened with Trump is we overvoted their ability to cheat. Okay. And that's what people have to really pound in their head. I can't believe how many people told me I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't count. They were convinced of it by the government, right? By all these ridiculous stories, didn't go vote. And we couldn't in many places out, um, run their, their, their cheating. So good thing that we have the House now. So what can we do? You can support people and tell you can help the Republicans who are in charge to be bold and strong and dive into these issues, especially in January 6th. You can vote. You can run for office. You can, when you hear about it, you know, tweet the proper story, support the people. And, and sometimes, you know, what support doesn't mean always just financial. Support them as in retweet if they make a story, if they write something out retweet it, help the people, you know, like I've heard their story. They were, they check out, this makes sense. Retweet podcasts like yours. That's also support and start to show like if we have unity, if the population is unified, then the government has to pay attention to us. Even all of these government agencies that they have, they have to start to pay attention to us. But the problem is we can't get ourselves to be unified. The media stop, stop, you know, um, supporting the CNN. I can't believe how many conservatives will say what happened on CNN. You know who the fake news is. So support the independent media. Stop supporting the corporate media. The corporate media is only interested in their bottom line. It's like they're capitalists. They're not bringing you the news. So there's still, and we could go on. I could probably go on for an hour about what to do. Don't feel hopeless. Know the story. Be prepared. Understand the situation. Believe in the people who are bold enough to tell the truth. If you're not bold enough to tell the truth, then support the people who are. How's that? Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. Um, I just, I'm praying that we get past this, uh, you know, social approval addiction in the culture so that people understand, you know, the, um, you know, everybody's looking for power and control and money, but there's a lot of power in just telling the truth. There's a lot of power in just being honest with people. And I think, you know, if people could get past this need to be accepted by liars, frankly, um, then, you know, things would start to move in a better direction. You just do not need the approval of anybody, but least of all liars. And you have a responsibility, you know, as a human being to stand for truth and to have morals and to be a good person as as much as you can be. And um, I just hope people get braver, really. I mean, we need, we have like a courageousness, uh, you know, lack 
lack of it pandemic that nobody talks about, but just grow a spine, tell people the truth. Um, and we don't want to live in this false reality anymore. I know that I don't. I mean, I really don't want to do that. But pay attention to all the news sources, you know, they're going to lie, but try to piece things together yourself and don't, you know, don't put all of your eggs into one basket, so to speak, um, with these news sources. And, uh, you know, they want us divided because they're stronger if we are broken down in that way. So I just think that as much as there's like a lot of political animosity, like we need to try to be united, at least on just, you know, the truth. Can we just, can we just like be united on like trying to find the truth. Um, but it's, it is almost like speaking a different language because a lot of the people on the left don't even believe in truth anymore. Like they don't believe in objective truth because the left has told them that they get their own truth, the, the people at the top and, um, you know, it all, and this just comes back to the bottom line of it, that everything that the left does is for some purpose to control you. Um, and you, and just be smart enough to see when they're doing it and to, you know, turn away from it. Like Carrie has said, it was like a movie set on January 6th. A lot of other things are like movie sets and you've just got to, you know, keep a keen eye and really be able to use discernment in order to tell what is and isn't true. Oh, it really is. And so <laughs> I'm so glad. It's like almost a relief to hear you say that because I, I leave D.C. and I want to love D.C. Especially like I want to go to the Library of Congress. Like I'm going to D.C. and I can't. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I, I, my skin literally starts to crawl after being there for 24, 36 hours. And I have to like, I have to get out and I want to love DC because I love American history. Um, and it's so disappointing and I'll always think this time I'm going to go and I'll just pay attention to all the good stuff. And thank you for letting, if you, uh, you know, us come on us, I'm speaking for any, you know, more J six or kinds of people who come on, um, because it's really, it's really refreshing to be able to tell a story without being told, no, you're crazy. That's not what happened. No, cause you saw it from the rooftop. You'll hear some great stories from some of the other people that you're going to have on. So, you know, that's just awesome that you're doing that, letting us use your platform like that. This has just been really great for me. Like you're welcome on any time. This is such important information, but can you let everybody know where they can find you online so that they can see your tweets about January 6th and just connect with you? Sure. So I'm at Say Rosa, S-A-O-R, S-A-1776 on Getter, Twitter. Um, I, I post a lot on Getter too. I, I like Getter a lot. And um, I'm at republicbrief.com and um, frontlineamerica.com and uh, Patriot Sports Now I just added. That's sports in case you like IndyCar because I do. But um, <laughs> I wanted to say too for anybody who's interested, watch my Twitter because sometime within the next week and a half or so, I'm going to start a series of conversations with Coy Griffin, January 6th. If you like this topic, you really want to check that out um, because we're going to talk about his lawsuit. And I think everybody needs to hear about that. You may be interested in hearing about it some more too. If you talk to him, talk to, talk to him about that. I think it's uh, really interesting, but that's what I'm going to be working on. Oh, thank you again. And hey, everyone, happy uh, 2023. Hopefully it's <laughs> going to be the year that we can overturn all this stuff. And I do actually, I, I feel very hopeful. So I want to leave on a hopeful note that we're going to get through this and we're going to be able to fix it. And America is worth fighting for. So <laughs>